Welcome to another episode of Thick and Thin, where ball is always life. I'm your host, Karthik, here with my co-host, Nithin. Nithin, how you doing, bud? What's up, man? Listen, last week was heavy. We had to talk about a lot of important things, but this week we want to focus on the reality that basketball is fucking back. Let's go. It's back. I am hyped. Um, and it's still so far away. That's the most disappointing part. It's like Wad <laughs> Woj had that big drop where he's like, the NBA is back. And it's like, but you got to wait eight more weeks. He hooked us up today, though. He said uh, they're pushing up the schedule instead of July 31st. They're aiming for a July 30th kick. I, I actually think a lot of people read that as June 30th and temporarily freaked out um, before realizing Sadly, yeah, it was a tease. It was a tease the way he worded that. He's a jackass because I think he knew it too. Oh, yeah. I mean, imagine having that much power with your tweets. (laughs) Uh, But yeah. So look, there are, I don't even know if either of us remember what happened when the NBA season last, uh, you know, was in action, but there are a lot of really, really interesting storylines, both on and off the court um, that we wanted to cover. I think you know, we've we've narrowed the list down to eight stories that we're going to get into. I think you came with four. I came with four. And this is outside of like, yes, there's a pandemic, there's COVID, all of those things. We're focusing on ba- this episode's about basketball today. Right. We need to talk about what's actually going on on the 94 inside the 94 feet. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I think speaking of the COVID stuff, there is one big news item that came out today that we probably should touch on. And um, it's the news that around 40 to 50 players are hesitant of coming back. Um, and it's not exactly clear whether that's for fear of health reasons or if that's because they can't quarantine themselves for two, three months. Um, but there is pushback, which was interesting because everything looked like all, you know, go, go, go. Everything's moving towards July 30th. And today was the first day we heard a little bit of resistance coming from the player side. Well, let's you know what, let's jump into the very first story because the first one on my list is exactly that. Which players are going to sit out to being either due to being uncomfortable um, with the circumstances or injured? So you brought up, are they able to quarantine? Now, this entire bubble is built for Steph Curry, right? It's his he's a family guy. He's got three kids. All he wants to do is play golf and eat at restaurants, which are the only two things you're really allowed to do in this circumstance. So he's good. But it's it's interesting because there are obviously there are the factors of like, well, I don't want to feel trapped. But then there's also the general concern of like, I also don't want to get coronavirus when my team has a two percent shot of making this play in game. Um, so what do you think about all these guys? Like, is it fair? Is it not? I. I think that you're good. Then my problem is from what I'm hearing, it's more rumblings around the quarantine aspect and being kind of locked in and players not being happy with that. I don't think these guys are really worried about their health. I think it's more of what's the point in going and quarantining myself for two months when, like you said, we have no shot at going anywhere. And so you're just taking away two months of my off season, essentially. But they and just so had I, a freaking four month off season. Yeah, but now things are opening up, you know, like it's 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 like right when things are starting to get good, you're told to go back into your hole. I think that's the problem. And I'm thinking it's coming from some of the, I, like the Spurs. I don't think they care. The Suns, I don't think they care. The Kings are definitely care, even though they're one of those fringe teams. 
And I think a team like New Orleans also cares. So I think it's like the Spurs, the Suns, maybe the Wizards. I was going to say, how many players are on the Blazers? Is it 40 to 50? Because all of them probably said they don't want to play. All the Blazers are like, no, they don't want to play. So I don't know. I think it's really only the fringe teams. I think that's where a majority of that opinion is coming from. I mean, Um, it makes sense, right? And it kind of ties to like what you're seeing injury recovery-wise. Like LaMarcus Aldridge was just ruled out for shoulder surgery. John Wall's already said he's not playing. Kevin Durant said he's not playing. Kyrie Irving, I think, is unlikely to play and was just saying that he may be in attendance. Um, I don't know what, like, Yusuf Nurkic is doing, but at some point, even though they want to get out there, they make so much money that even if they do have to take a pay cut for sitting, they would rather just do that, right? They would rather just punt on um, some amount of the compensation and say, okay, you guys go do it. I mean, it is actually in their benefit for the league to continue, even if they're not part of it, to recoup some of the lost savings uh, or some of the lost revenue, excuse me. And so they're just like, look, like you mentioned it, the Suns want to play because they want to make the playoffs. Pelicans, Kings, three young teams who have had the playoffs on their mind. The Blazers I don't know if the just, Suns want to make it, actually. You I don't think the so? Suns wouldn't care, no. Okay, so I think, I think the Kings and the Pelicans are the two in the West. That are obviously that are not in the playoff picture. See, yep. Portland went to the Western Conference Finals this year. So though Dame wants to play in the playoffs, he also doesn't want to get smoked by LeBron and AD in four games. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a, like a good ending for that season. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. It's they're allowing them to use replacement players, or I don't know who's eligible, but they're going to allow extended rosters and replacement yeah, players. Seventeen for, rosters. Yep. If players get sick or if they choose not to play. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, the problem with a lot of these teams, I think they're resigned. At the end of the season, it's been a couple months, a lot of these players are just resigned to the fact that the season's done. Um, and so for these bottom-tier teams, they're not thinking about, oh, now that it's coming back, we have a chance to make the playoffs. Like, look, it was done, not a big deal. Um, so they're just not hungry uh, to keep playing. And so I, don't, I can't blame them for that because it is asking a lot. Like, I joked about the how hard is it to stay quarantined for two months? But the FOMO sets in, right? Like if I told you, right as everything in Chicago is opening up, yo, Nitin, you got to do this for two more months. Just stay inside and don't go anywhere, right? At some I'll point, you're going to be like, mind. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. so I I can kind of sympathize with them on that front. But I'm hoping that it's not not. But if you names, told me I'm I was there to, wait, if you told me I was there to win like the consulting championship of the world, maybe I would be more <laughs> down to stick inside the quarantine or stick inside the bubble. I, if I gave you the choice between going to Bottle Blonde on a Friday night when it's popping or to make it go the for the consulting me- championship, what, what do you think you'd pick? Making the most messy framework possible? I don't know. I mean, like, <laughs> that gets me fired up, like, at this point in my life, a little bit more than listening to Nice for What. Yeah. <laughs> see what quarantine's done to you, man? It's You're bad. Right. It's really yeah. bad. All right. Well, um, let's see what happens. I think. I think it'll be interesting because I think a lot of guys are going to have some faux injuries and get out of that bubble as soon as possible. But, you know, if you're one of those eight teams or six teams that doesn't make it, you're not really there that long. You're there for two weeks. The guys who are going to be there for two to no, three months. No, that's not true. That's not true at all. Oh, cause because you have to get there early. You have to get there early. And then the regular season actually is what? Close to it's like three to four weeks. I think, yeah, I think it's like July 7th is when they report to Orlando. And then I think like mid to late August, second or third week in August is when the eight games would be done. Late August, yeah. Yeah. So that would kind of suck. 
uh, especially if you're going like one in seven. <laughs> All right. So leading from that conversation, the next story, what, what, what do you got on your list? All right. So the next one is, you know, speaking of these bottom teams, uh, it's the race for the eighth out West. And this one's interesting to me, obviously, because the Kings are in the race. But I think there's a lot of excitement, a lot of buzz around this eighth seed because mainly because of Zion. Obviously, the league wants Zion in. Everyone wants to see what Zion can do in a playoff setting. And not only is it Zion, but it's the fact that if they do make that eighth seed, they're playing LeBron and the Lakers in the first round, which is ratings goldmine for the NBA. So the question I have for you is, you know, we have Portland, San Antonio, Phoenix, Sacramento, and New Orleans. Yep. Did I say that twice? No. Five teams. Yeah. Um, who do you have, or in Memphis, I don't think I said Memphis, who do you have slotted in that eight seed? And then who do you think is going to be um, the runner-up? Or who, who are the two teams that are going to be jostling for that eight seed in the play-in game? Yeah, so based on just how many games Memphis is up, they're up three and a half on Portland, New Orleans, and Sacramento. I think they have like a 90% chance of retaining that. With only eight to play, covering three and a half games is extremely difficult. Um, so I actually think Memphis will stay in eight, just even though they have a more challenging schedules than some of these other teams. So the Spurs are likely out. Without LMA, I just... As much as a magician as Pop is, I think they're going on a 22-year playoff streak. I think they just don't have the horses to get it done. Um, DeRozan, DeJounte Murray, I mean, those guys, they, they, they need to retool, and I think this could be the best thing for them to end up back in the lottery. Similarly, I just, Phoenix, Aiton, and Booker were just starting to get into rhythm, but I don't see that pairing being enough. I actually think Portland... If Lillard plays, um, he's got the pedigree. The team has got the experience. You know, Sacramento and New Orleans are both young. They've never won. So I would say Portland, if Lillard plays, if he chooses not to, then I'm actually going to go with the surprise. I'm going to go with your Sacramento Kings. Buddy yes. Hill catching fire. Marvin yes. Bagley waking up. And a date like it's 2002, Lakers-Kings. That is my prediction as well. Surprise, surprise. Um, I think it's going to come down to New Orleans and Sacramento. I, I think Portland is the biggest threat, but some of these teams with the older guys, I'm not sure. Like, It's going to take a little bit of time for these guys to get back into the flow of things. I think the young teams can kind of, just on their athleticism, come out kind of swinging. And so I think Sacramento and New Orleans will be well-positioned, the style they play, the way they play. I just trust Sacramento more and I think there's they've been so long since they made the playoffs and I think Luke Walton has caught a lot of heat um, the team has caught a lot of heat this year and they'll see this as a chance to redeem themselves and Vlade obviously needs this to save his job so um, I'm thinking the Kings will actually come out of this and then play Memphis for that eighth spot now the question for you is who do you think wins in that play-in tournament I think these teams are also even that I'm going to pick Memphis. I'm going to just pick the team in eight, right? Like you just need to win one game. Um, and you would think potentially Memphis would be more rested at this point because they would have clinched it with two to three games to go. Potentially the fight for nine is going to go down to that very last day. Um, given how close the teams are and the fact that they're all within four games of Memphis. So they all have a chance. 
Um, I think that's going to take the entirety of the regular season. So I'm going to go with Memphis. I think they're going to be more, more well-rested. You know, John Morant, Jaron Jackson, Brandon Clark. Like, I just, I like what they've done all season. They faded a bit as of late as the schedule got a little tighter. But um, in the way that the scenario is set up, it's very hard, I think, for the nine seed to win. What about you? Yeah, it's going to be unlikely that the ninth seed wins. Um, winning two games in a row is is tough. And, you know, NBA is about matchups. And so you even if you win that first game, Memphis will do a little tinkering. They'll come back and it'll be much harder to win that second game, especially when you consider everything's on the neutral floor. So I, I still think Memphis will actually end up in the eighth seed, which will be so boring compared to all the other matchups we could potentially get. Like literally if you have Portland, L.A., Sacramento, L.A., or New Orleans, L.A., each one of those is better than Memphis, L.A. So I, I think the NBA will miss out. But, um, yeah, they look like they're in the driver's seat for that eight seed. I will say, out east, I fully expect the nine seed to to win the two games and get into the playoffs. Um, <laughs> so it's just the West I think West the entire Wizards through. roster is the – like doesn't want to come back, man. So I think Nobody that's Nobody wants to be there. Players. I think I'm yeah. playing. <laughs> they're they're reaching deep. John Wall is going to be like, look, man, I'm very uncomfortable and I will be for the next three years while my contract runs out <laughs> and I'm paid $170 million to chill. All right. So moving on to storyline number three, we're going to take it out east. Um, so this, you know, how fickle is our society? Just a couple of years ago, we were talking about the process Sixers. And how are they on the cusp of greatness? And now we're asking ourselves, is this the last run for them before blowing it up? I think they have one more year after this. I think COVID actually was the best thing that could have happened to them. It bought them time. Uh, it's it's given them an excuse because, you know, the season's going to have an asterisk no matter what. And I think the Sixers, given where they are at, if as a six seed, I believe, and they'd play Boston in the first round. Mm-hmm. Let's say things held that way. Um, I, I think if they end up going out early in a normal season, it would have been potentially a, a big storyline. They would have had to blow it up in the offseason. I think they're going to get at least another year. Uh, Elton Brand's going to keep these guys together for another year. Um, and it's, yeah, I think they're going to run it back. So I think they got one more year. Um, this postseason, whatever happens, is kind of the cherry on top if they're able to get past you know, the first round, second round. Um, and then they'll reevaluate next summer. It depends what we mean by blow it up, right? If it's get rid of or or break up the Embiid Simmons pairing, that's just yes. flat out not happening, right? No way. I think it might happen. I don't I think, think it so. Might happen. I, this is like why there's like you just said the way that the season's gone, the way that Simmons had a pretty bad back injury. Like right now, we're not even entirely sure if he's going to play. If that team flames out in round one there's still other moves they can make right they can find a taker for tobias harris i'm not sure where but they could try to find one they could figure out something with al horford and most notably they could just fire brett brown and try to bring in a coach who better about staggering simmons and bead better about playing to their skill sets um look if you took me in a time machine and said rewind i would have done everything different than they did last summer i wouldn't have let reddit go i would have figured out a way to keep jimmy butler and not paid Tobias Harris. I'm not sure. It sounded like Butler was gone and was on his way out anyway. So maybe that wasn't salvageable. But to me, like Philly has too much talent. And those guys are still too young to not let it run back. They have Matthias Teibel. They have um, the kid that, who was that kid that was sick? Um, Zaire Smith. 
Mm-hmm. You know, they have some young guys that could add some infusion of, of athleticism um, in coming years. I think they just have to figure out, look, Horford to the bench. I know he's very highly paid. You can't pay a guy $28 million a year and then expect him to come off the bench, but he can't play next to, to Embiid. Yep. Um, interestingly, playoff-wise, they're, they're sixth, but tied with Indiana for fifth. They would prefer, I think, staying in sixth. Because it allows you to play Boston, a team they match up well with, who doesn't have a real answer for Embiid, and it allows you to avoid Milwaukee potentially till the conference finals. So, you know, what is Indiana going to look like with Oladipo having come back for a month and then now off again for almost five months? I'm not sure. But I would say Philly and Indy would be trying to slide into that sixth spot. Indiana's the one team I've literally not heard a single thing about this entire offseason. Like they've been very under the radar, just quarantined. Like they always shelter. are, but it's just yeah, very respectfully sheltering about- in place and following all health guidelines and protocols. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think I don't think that there's any scenario in which it would have happened this off season, but I think next off season, let's say they lose first round this year, let's say the following year they lose in the first round. You think they're not going to evaluate just like breaking up Simmons and Embiid? Yeah, I mean, I think one more year maybe, but we have to remember this is only the third season they've been good, quote unquote. And I know Simmons is entering uh, year one of a max. Uh, I know Embiid is already in a max. Uh, Harris is on a max and um, Al Horford's on a near max. The cap sheet is a nightmare, but I think that's less to do with Simmons and Embiid as much as it's doing. It's to do with mismanagement around them. Yeah, they're all movable contracts. So I think... Al Horford is potentially except not. maybe Al Horford. They're saddled with that, but everything else is movable. So I, I and the patience these days is not teams don't aren't patient. I think if this pairing doesn't work for another year, it's gonna get broken up. But um, you know Tobias Harris, who's like a pretty decent player, and obviously after this most recent contract is going to be one of the wealthiest NBA players in history, just in terms of contract inflation. The Sixers were his like fifth team that he's played for in his career, fifth or sixth. Yeah, he's bounced around. And he's like 24, 25. He's bounced around. He's, I mean, he's a rich man's Rudy Gay to me, Tobias Harris. Maybe he does a couple of other things better, but he's a good wing player. He's a solid defender, but he's nothing special. He's Rudy uh, Gay with a stimulus check. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, but all right. Okay, next question. Number right, four on got? the list. Yep. What's the television viewing experience going to be like? So we ha- we don't know much about this aspect of it, but yeah. what do you think or what are you hoping for? I'm fascinated by this for a couple of reasons. Let me start with the TV announcers, right? Because normally like Jeff Van Gundy, Mark Jackson, uh, Mike Breen or whatever, they're all sitting courtside. So they can pick up on a lot. The players interact with them, et cetera. I think if we're trying to keep people out of this bubble, the announcers are the first people to be staying at home or staying from some other offsite location, right? So I think they're actually going to be commentating almost the way we would be watching. Um, so I'm curious what happens there. I don't think it's going to be a massive deal, but I do think it's something interesting to consider. Um, secondly, there was a lot of talk about being able to listen to the trash talk and, you know, whatever, putting it on a minute delay or 30 second delay. So they had time to edit out any language or other <laughs> vulgarities that were said on the court. It sounds like they're not going to go that way. It sounds like they're going to go to the fake, fake crowd noise way. Excuse me. Um, I don't know if you've been watching the Bundesliga much. I'm becoming yeah. a big Bundesliga fan recently. 
But the crowd noise actually works. Even when the stadiums are empty, you almost forget about it. Mm-hmm. But I think soccer is a lot different because it's a lot easier to generate the constant singing and sort of like chanting that goes on in games than it is the NBA arena, which is mostly like people not watching. Everybody clap your hands. Exactly. So I don't know. I think it could be cool. I think they'll be good about it. I I think virtual CGI fans would be kind of fun. That would just look – see, it can't look corny. Virtual CGI fans will end up looking like a 2K game. Bro, have you um, seen the latest video from PlayStation 5, 2K21? Oh my god, Zion's wedding. Like the way they're trying to <laughs> you know how showcase long that up- the graphics is look at you how, know how long that update's going to take. Zion. Well, can we talk about that trailer first of all, though? Um, because I heard there's a 2K21 trailer out. The graphics are insane. I was hyped. I click play, and it's literally just Zion in some practice gym. Like very dark shots, you can't even get a clear view of him. And then they do a zoom up on his face, and just all the sweat that's glistening. And it felt I don't like know, you I wasn't breathing in my living room. <laughs> yeah, it felt like um, it was. I don't know, it was a weird kind of a trailer. I guess it was kind of cool, but um, honestly, I was just thinking about how large of a file size that was going to be. That's the only thing I can think about related to video games right now. I had to d- freaking delete. I wanted to play some map on Call of Duty. I had to delete FIFA like it never existed in my life just to be yeah. able to play it. Anytime you want a new game, you have to delete something. It's it's unreal. It wasn't in a new game. I was like, I had to add like a sticker on my gun. And they're like, nope, that's an 80, K, 80 gig update. Sorry. <laughs> Call of Duty is actually the worst for that. Yeah. Um, but but yeah. what do you think about the so, viewing experience? You think it's going to work? What do you what, what, what kind of things do you want to see them try? Maybe I want the I want the crowd noise for sure. Um, I don't know how they're going to do it because, like you said, in, in soccer, you can just have like a, a buzz because the fans are just constantly chanting. NBA games, fans only react when something happens. So right. how do you like uh, create that and make it artificial? Do you just spike the noise when someone makes a basket? Also, like teams aren't chanting defense like starting from the first quarter. That's like the last three minutes of the game. So and they so better that- include stuff like that in there. And so that's one part of it. The other part is, you know, I don't know. They're going to have fewer cameramen, I would think, right, for all these games. And given that all these games are running simultaneously, it's not like you can use the same crew. Um, And so maybe you get fewer angles. Maybe it becomes a little bit more like if you ever watch Summer League, it's it's a much more kind of very straightforward viewing experience. You don't get as many cool angles or or replays, um, which would be interesting. It would make the playoffs feel less... Uh, like impact, like monumentous. Mon- yeah, monumental. Is that a word? Um, oh, monumental. momentous. I combine momentous and monumental. Um, I do. Is where I am try, for the week. I want them to try some some gimmicky stuff. Um, because why not? Like they got to make it a little bit more exciting. We're already losing some of the the shine and allure of like a big time playoff game. Um, why can't but- guys wear like GoPros on their head or jersey? <laughs> like, wouldn't you want to get behind the wheel of LeBron driving the lane? I've always thought about that, actually. Like, I'd love to see, like, from a point guard, like, their view of the court and then watch a play unfold and when they make a pass, what they actually saw. Yeah, like, that we always was- talk about insane passing vision and being able to, like, you know, have eyes on the back of your heads or being able to see angles that nobody else can. Allow us to see them. That would be cool. Yeah, it could yeah, be like not? the little, like little circular cameras, just kind of like pinned on their jersey somewhere. 
Exactly. And then you compensate for the lack of cameramen and other angles. Now you have this new, brand new angle that's players uh, focused. They're going to do a lot of still cameras too, I think, right? Like where they yeah. set it up at the baseline or they set it up from different places. And then yeah. it's just, I think the summer league uh, comparison is very um, good because not only is the camera work a little bit less than NBA games, it also does feel more like the AAU gym environment, which yep. is what you're going to get here. Yeah. The, the, and the problem with the stands too, see, with soccer, it's so focused on the pitch. You can, and the pitch is so big, you can kind of tune out the audience or the fact that there's no one in the stands. But an NBA game, the court is so small. I think it's kind of hard to ignore just empty bleachers. So I don't know what they're going to do about that. Like, do they put up green screens and then literally just have shots of 2K audiences? I don't know. Yeah, I actually think that's what that <laughs> like that's what they're gonna do. I mean, the flip side is doing what that German team did, which is like cardboard cutouts in the stands, <laughs> and it would be easier because you wouldn't have uh, that many stadiums. You're obviously all in one place, but I don't really think that there's much of a, like a stadium here. Like, I don't think they're playing in no. arenas. They're playing on like practice courts, essentially. Yeah, aren't yeah, they like practice sports? That's true. I don't even know if there are bleachers or like singing. right. It like could there just may be like, some that they can set up, obviously. But like, it's can not you like imagine if it's like you know our you know the twenty four fitness the the basketball gym we used to play at? Yeah, back in Chicago. Like, what if it's something like that? It's just a court. It's not even the full width. Like LeBron's like crashing into the wall when he goes too hard, like saving a loose ball. Yeah, I think there's a lot of questions about the actual facility. I don't think that they've done any type of like, can you can you send out like a virtual tour or something? Like, can Woj let us know like what we're looking at? Yeah, I got to maybe you can Google and find it. There's got to be shots of like, oh, the worldwide sports complex, what the courts look like. And last week you were saying that they're going to play like at least the regular season, the games are going to be going on concurrently, right? Yeah, I mean, there's five to six games in a day. So I would think they're... So like maybe like a 4 p.m., 7 p.m., 10 p.m. type situation, two each. Yeah. And then like ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN, ESPN2. Maybe, or they might try to go the full day. They might try to go like, you know, 11 a.m., 2 p.m., 5 p.m., 8 p.m. I'm fascinated by what ratings this is going to get. I, I have no idea. I have like, no idea what to expect. We're so starved for sports. And, like, we've had, like, tertiary sports come back. Like, I think golf had their first tournament. I mean, respectfully to all the golf fans out there. But they had, I think, their first tournament. Like, there's some NASCAR stuff back, NASCAR UFC. Back, yeah. But not, like, for real, for real, you know? Well, you also have to remember that we're talking about still two months from now. Or not exactly two months. A little bit less. Yeah. Seven weeks from now where... People are going to be out a lot more, you know, as long as there's not a second spike. It's not going to be like there's in March where people were dying for anything, right? Where the last dance is getting crazy amount of viewers. Yeah. We're talking about middle of the summer. I, I'm not sure if people are going to be watching a game at 2 p.m. If it, on, on a weekday. As much as we said that, oh, when the NBA comes back, all eyes are going to be glued to every single game. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's going to be the last vestiges of summer. We've lost... 2020 summer basically by this point so nobody's going to be happy about that um if there's an opportunity to be in a lake house if there's an opportunity to be at the beach if there's an opportunity to get on a plane people are probably just going to say yes immediately so it's possible um and also like you won't have bars necessarily in the same way to bring people together to watch 
right? Where it's like, even though I'm out with my boys doing whatever, having fun, we're watching basketball. That might not be the case. Yep. Um, so that could, that could, that could change things. But at the same time, what I would say is we might, you know, we might still be, look, dude, between the protests and all these, most importantly, all these states opening up in the last, since Memorial Day and before that, the numbers have gone up like crazy. Yep. Um, yeah. And I don't think we're ever going to go back to shutdown mode. Uh, and I don't even want to talk about freaking coronavirus, but <laughs> I don't think we're going to go back to shutdown mode. But I also don't think we're all just going to be like running willy nilly through the fields in July and August. I think it's going to be still, you know, people working from home, people staying home pretty often. We'll see, man. I don't know. I mean, people have been running willy nilly the last couple of weeks. Um, and they're about to stop when they all get fucking infected. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I have no idea. But I think I think the I do like the fact the idea that you talked about the courts coming in and being shipped or whatever. So it looks like you actually have a home court. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, you know, the more I think about it last week. No, I was mocking it. But the more I think about it, that's actually important. Like, that's if cool. you have a generic looking like this at 24 fitness court, like yeah. that takes away everything from the game. So. The very the least they thing, can do is get the, the paint. Even if they don't mic players, by the way, they do need to figure out like a way to connect to them better like than shitty sideline interviews after the end of each quarter. Yeah. Like they have to figure out. I don't mean like big three style where Michael Rappaport's physically on the court while the game's going on, but like some type of version where it's like, okay, like let's talk to Giannis. Let's talk to Kawhi. Let's do this and, and try to get a little bit more access given the environment. Yeah. Yeah, they, they'll have to do that because we won't even have sideline reporters. We won't even have any of that. Yeah, that's um, true. With this new format. So that's true. All right. Next up, um, we're going to talk seeding again. So the West, you know, we talked about the teams on the fringe of into that play in game, but it's very, very tight in the middle. Right. So between teams four to seven, so that's Utah, Houston, um, Oklahoma City is actually fifth. I apologize. So Oklahoma City is fifth, Houston's sixth, um, and Dallas is seventh. There's only two and a half games that separate them, including only one game that separates four, five, six. How do you see that shaking out? And, you know, what do you think about, like, who has the best chance among those teams to make a real run? I'm picking Houston. I think Houston's going to end up as the four seed. Mm -hmm. Um and set up a great matchup in the second round against uh, the Lakers. Now, the reason I think it's Houston, Houston, it was, I mean, when they got uh, Covington and they went full-blown small ball um, and without a whole experiment, they actually had two different, like, mini seasons right after that. One, which they had that tear they went on where Covington was pulling down, like, three, four blocks a game, rebounds, everything, and they won a lot of games in the stretch. And then they had a just collapse in they lost several games in a row. I have to look at their schedule. Um, but it, it was really a tale of two different kind of halves in the second half of the season. And a lot of people are wondering, oh, you know, which is the real Rockets team? I think that they're going to get it together in, in, in this when play resumes. And I think that they're going to surge ahead to four. Um, and I think that style of play, the, the faster style of play, I think, is going to work in this new format, given everyone's had time off. Harden, who's used to having so many miles on his body by this point in the season, he's going to be rejuvenated. He's a little too skinny, I think. He lost a little too much weight, and that might hurt him. But 
I think they're going to be poised to make a run. And, and Denver and Utah, Utah already, you know, looks like they might slip given um, some of the issues they're facing. So I like Houston, and I think Oklahoma City and Utah are going to slip. Yeah, so, you know, I'm I'm a sucker for Westbrook. I'm a sucker for Harden. I love those dudes no matter how many playoff failures they stack up. But I am going with Oklahoma City, um, and I'll tell you why. So I agree on Utah, right? Without Bogdanovich, who's out for the season, they're going to do what they do every year where Gobert gets played off the floor, and they have Donovan Mitchell going 9 for 30 every game. Yeah. Um, basically to try to like get some points on the board. So I think Utah is in a really precarious position. Uh, Mike Conley was already not necessarily the ad that they thought he would be. Um, I think he's nicely. Yeah. Well, he's picked it up a little. He he was, you know, he had picked it up a little bit and obviously they surged all the way to four, but I think without Bogdanovich, who's such a crucial piece that piece of that offense, it's going to be tough. Joe Ingles. I mean, he's, He's a great, great role player, and you just can't have him be the second offensive option on a playoff team. I'm sorry. Houston, I think Houston's problem is this, right? Like, I look at them versus a team like Oklahoma City, and Oklahoma City has the guards defensively to really bother Westbrook and Harden. Like, you're never going to stop those guys, right? They're going to get their 30, 10, and 10. But you between SGA, who's got that lanky frame, between Chris Paul, who's, you know, an awesome defender. And frankly, what's the biggest issue with Chris Paul? He breaks down every playoffs. Guess yeah. what he doesn't have to do this time? Come off, come off an 80-game season. He's had four months off. I think he's going to be in awesome shape. You know he's got a court at whatever mansion he lives at. Oh, we saw it on the horse thing. So he's been practicing there. Um, and... I really like what they have with Gallinari, Stephen Adams up front, um, you know, three-headed monster of SGA Paul and Dennis Schroeder. And they've been playing awesome all year. And every time people have expected them to fall off, they haven't. Um, I think they're going to – listen, any of these teams is likely going to lose in round two, right? Because it means a date with um, one of the top – you know, one of the top uh, – three teams, you know, either the Clippers, Lakers, or Nuggets, probably either the Clippers or the Lakers. So in terms of who's going to go the furthest, I would just say that I think OKC can give the Lakers the most problems. I think Houston's going to really struggle trying to guard JaVale and Dwight on top of AD and LeBron. I don't know why I just said JaVale and Dwight before (laughs) AD and LeBron, but (laughs) Robert Sacre is going to give Houston a lot of problems. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I like OKC, and I like Paul's uh, experience and and the way he's been playing this year. Okay. I mean, and, and the worry with Houston is, you know, looking at their schedule, going into the uh, shutdown, he, they lost to New York. They lost to L.A., Clippers. They lost to, which is fine, they lost to Charlotte. They lost to Orlando all in a row before beating Minnesota, um, and then the season got suspended. So I'm not sure if teams figured out Houston. Uh, that's what I worry about. But I think this in this format, we're going to see the teams with the top-end superstars. I think they're going to end up faring better. And so I trust Harden and Westbrook to pull it out. Um, no love for Luka? We didn't even talk about the Mavericks. Luka and we didn't KP even talk started, about the Mavericks. They started playing together, playing well together. Um, you know, I think when Luka was out, Porzingis looked like a star again. He looked like what everyone... 
uh, was so excited about in New York. Yeah. But when Luca's on the court, Porzingis really struggled because he was playing out of his element. You couldn't run the offense through him. But I think as that season went on, they finally learned how to coexist where they both could be high usage, high production players. Now, you could argue, I'm not going to make the argument, but you could argue that Luca is the best player on these four teams. Wow. Are you kidding me? Better than James Harden? So he's the only guy I would have above him. But we know what James Harden does in the playoffs. James Harden in the playoffs is not James Harden in the regular season. We see this year after year. Yeah, but this is James Harden in the playoffs with two months or three months off. Uh, or four months off. That's a whole different kind of ballgame. We what we know about James Harden is he comes out on fire at the beginning of the season, like he did this year, averaging 40 points a game for a good stretch. And then he cools down because he's he gets fatigued. But I don't think he's going to have that problem. So, But but the Mavs are a good point because the Mavs, by all metrics, um, they perform like offensively like one of the greatest teams ever. Um, defensively, actually decent. And their expected wins, given all their other metrics, should be much higher than they actually are. So you could say they, if, if things balance out, they would actually you know, regress to the mean by overperforming. Um, the thing is, what, these teams have to all avoid Denver, right? Because yep. I don't think Denver is going to lose round one. So They almost did last year, though. They did. They went to seven versus San Antonio. But that was a different Denver team. That was a Denver team with no playoff experience. Um, I think this season, look, Denver is a game and a half behind the Clippers. Of the eight games, Kawhi could load manage two for all we know. Oh, my God. So there's possibility that Denver finishes second. We don't even know. I mean, the Lakers are almost clinched um, the number one spot. But two and three is technically still a battle. A game and a half is not a ton to overcome. So either way, the sixth seed is going to lose and the seventh seed is going to lose round one. So to even get to that round two matchup, you have to get into this 4-5 matchup, which is currently Utah versus the Thunder. We both think that could be Thunder Rockets. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, and the good point about Denver, too, because the Clippers could easily just decide to punt the second seed um, because it has no impact on when they're going to face L.A. That'll still be or the Lakers will still be in the conference finals. And given that there's no home court, yeah. there's no incentive to be two, two over three, right? So I could totally see them resting Kawhi, giving him, easing him into it, not right. having him play 30, 35 minutes a game. That's um, a great point. There's no mile high altitude they're trying to avoid for game seven. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not scared of Denver anyway. So it's, they'll uh, smash Denver, by the way. They're going to oh, destroy yeah. it. Yeah, no one's picking Denver in that series. They played them a couple weeks before the season shut down, I think, in Denver and just eviscerated. It was a massacre. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, moving on to question number six. So one of the big storylines. <laughs> I'm laughing. Oh, God. Just LeBron's quest for the GOAT. Um, now, this is his best chance of getting a title. Uh, and that his best chance in a while and it may be his best chance for the remainder of his career. Who knows what's going to happen next few years as the Lakers is the number one seed looking like the dominant team. So what are your thoughts on this? Do you think that this is the shot for the Lakers that they don't win it this year? It might be hard next couple of years. And, and then do you think that even though it's a asterisk filled season, he enters the GOAT conversation? So as we covered in extremely <laughs> painful depth, there's no version of which I would put LeBron at 
number one uh, with the title. He would have to win several titles, not only in the NBA, but also in other sports. Um, and the thing is, this is the last possible version of this title that could have happened that would give him that status. Like you said, asterisk filled. Every part of this is an asterisk, right? Now, we don't even know what's going to happen in terms of like who COVID's going to take out or, you know, who doesn't show up or what the like physicality or athleticism or conditioning looks like from any of the players. I know LeBron will show up in shape. You know, he's a professional. He's a hard worker. He's going to do that. We don't know that about everyone else. That's not LeBron's fault, but it is part of a pretty major occurrence, event, newsworthy story that has to be mentioned anytime the 2020 season is brought up. LeBron winning in a neutral site after a four and a half month layoff to me is it. I mean, all that it would do, honestly, all that it would do it was is it would solidify him at number two for those who don't have him there right now. Okay. Okay. Maybe. Actually, that's probably not even true because the people who don't have him at two or don't have him at three. We'll never have him at two or three. It's like people, you know, trying to convince someone that, you know, I don't know. It's it, it, it's basically if you don't have him at three, you have an agenda. So yeah. this title is not going to help that. But there are some people who's like, is it two? Is it Kareem? I think this would put him ahead of Kareem firmly, but nowhere close to Jordan. Okay, as fine. I ran well, we'll, we'll toss the GOAT thing because we talked about that. I just wanted to see if maybe you came around since the last time we talked. guess you still haven't. I, I do think, though, forget about the GOAT. Uh, this is a really interesting storyline because um, this might be the last year he really is the best player in the league. I think he's still got another year or two, but you never know with these things. Yeah. And um, it, if he wins a title this year, finally did it in the West, finally you know, did it in a the tougher conference, forget about all the surrounding conditions, as a number one seed, the best team in the NBA – winning the championship, getting finals MVP. It kind of rounds out his career really nicely. And whether you think he's a GOAT or not, now he has titles across three teams, one in the West and the East. It's just a nice little resume he's finally built up for himself. And so I think out of any player, he's going to be taking this more seriously than than a majority of the league. Um, I think guys like him, guys like Giannis, uh, are going to be hungrier. And I think that'll matter. And I think it's going to end up, I still think the Clippers will win, but it's hard to uh, argue against the Lakers and LeBron making it, uh, winning the ship. There's definitely a lot of legacy defining uh, moments that are going to happen over the next several months. I think it, despite the circumstances, it's still basketball. It's still guys help, that are healthy playing each other. Um, whether it's in the Staples Center or in Milwaukee at the Fizzard Forum or whatever the hell that thing is called <laughs> or wherever it is, it's still basketball at the end of the day. And so it's going to matter who wins. Right. We're not going to throw the season out and erase it from the record books. So let me ask you this as a tangential question. Who's got the most to gain legacy wise from winning the title? Um, so you mentioned LeBron last week. Kush asked us to to talk about. What would happen to to Kawhi in the all-time list if he won his third title, um, third MVP, third franchise? Again, need, this has never been done, and LeBron and Kawhi could both do this this year. Then you have Giannis, who 
has the individual accolades, has the regular season success, has the absolutely eye-popping historical numbers, both individual and team. But his one playoff run ended with him fizzling out last year in the in the Eastern Conference Finals. So a title changes his legacy altogether. So who do you think has the biggest room to make that leap? James Harden. Okay. Because here's my uh, – so Giannis, Kawhi, yeah. But Giannis is so good that he's going to be in the conversation for a long time. And he's probably going to win more – he's going to win MVP this season. He might win another one in the future. He's that young. So he's going to be an all-time great regardless. I think James Harden, he's got one MVP. He's going to be up there in terms of scoring um, when all is said and done. Um, but right now, his career, he doesn't, he's not going to fall anywhere in the top 25 because playoff failures. Now, I don't think this Rockets team is poised to, to win the title, but I just think that in a quirky season, who knows? Like This might be his best shot left. Uh, and if he wins the title somehow, it would be huge for him and how we think of him in the the greater scheme of things. Yeah, I think, you know, basketball historians are going to look back and not know what the hell to do with Harden and Westbrook in terms of like the all time hierarchy. Right. Yep. Because everything they've put together from a resume perspective puts them squarely in that top 20 to 30 all time range, just in yep. terms of like their basketball reference page. Right. But then you peel back the layers and you think about the playoff struggles and you think about a lot of times the playoff embarrassments, right? Like Russell losing to um, the Jazz a couple of years ago or Harden melting down um, against the Warriors when KD went out or against the Spurs a few years before that. Um, there's been a lot of instances of this. And I think even if you think about the guys who have never won a title, the Barclays, the Malones, um, the Ewings, all of those dudes took their team to the finals as the lead guy. Yep. And Harden and Westbrook haven't done that. Um, Harden's been to the conference finals. Westbrook's been there with Durant, but never as the best player on a team. And in either of those cases, those guys, I think, to your point, and, and, and really the reason why it tilts towards Harden is because he would likely be like the finals MVP or the best player on the team. So it would really be his title and Westbrook as the, the sidekick. So I agree with that. I think, you know, Harden and Westbrook are both over 30. They don't have seven, eight years left of this play, I don't think. It's more no. like four or five. And in a situation like this where the odds are evened out, they're flattened out more, like the Lakers aren't as prohibitive favorites as they would have been if this was taking place in normal stadiums, mm -hmm. this is kind of their one chance. Exactly. And, and, I mean, if you think about it, you said you talk about guys like Barkley and – uh, Malone, who never won a title. Look at Dirk. Dirk was known for flaming out in the playoffs, yeah. uh, putting great stats, great regular season teams, flaming out. One title flipped the switch on everything. And like he is now regarded with a completely different... Like People forget how much Dirk used to get shit on Yeah. Um, back in the day. And now he's like one of the most revered players just because he beat that Heat team, because he won it with Dallas. And so the yeah. same thing with, I think, with Westbrook and Harden, if they're able to win, it flips that villain narrative or that, you know, kind of playoff choker narrative we've come to know them as. Totally. I mean, 06 losing to the Heat and then 07 winning the MVP, then losing to the We Believe Warriors in round yeah. one. <laughs> that was a really bad, um, you know, 10 month stretch for Dirk. So, yeah. all right. <laughs> this is a fun one. We've kind of already seen evidence to support some of these uh, claims here, but. 
What do you think players will look like coming off this four-month layoff? This is not a typical offseason. They don't have access to the gyms and the trainers and the basketball courts and and the summer runs. Like This is totally different than anything that they've experienced and anything they will experience. So what are you expecting uh, conditioning-wise and shape-wise? I have no idea what to expect um, because here's the thing. I thought about this in two different ways. There's veterans and there's young guys. And part of you thinks, okay, young guys are going to be in better shape. Um, they're just younger. They got better metabolism, all this, right? They can, but then at the same time, a lot of these young players, like they don't have equipment. They don't have full training gyms. Like we assume that every player in the NBA is a millionaire, has a huge mansion and a, just a home gym. I remember I was watching an interview. I forgot which with which um, young player, but a lot of these, oh, it was uh, Caruso, Alex Caruso. Um he was talking about how, look, he doesn't have a gym. Like the Lakers yeah. eventually sent him some stuff and some equipment, but these guys aren't actually training normally like they normally would. Um, so I, I think we're going to see a lot more players out of shape than you might think. Um, and the so I think that's first of all. And then I'm curious about the guys who are in Europe. Um, the Luka Doncic or some of these guys who aren't at home or who went somewhere else and um, have not been working out. And there are reports of, you know, Luka being out of shape already. I can't wait to see what these guys look like. And I mean, they have time to get back in shape in the first couple of weeks, but um, I think we're going to see a lot of players looking a little, a little thick. Let's just say. So we have four kind of heavy set superstars in our league. Let's put it, put it that way. Right. We have Harden, we have Nikola Jokic, we have Zion, and we have Luka, right? You could throw in Embiid there in certain situations based on how he's feeling. Nikola Jokic looks like he lost 35 pounds, <laughs> honestly, from what he showed up as at the start of the season to even what he was playing at in March. I don't know that that's a good thing. I think people bounce off of his fat a little bit, and I'm pretty sure a lot of his dominance down low is from you know, that frame. And he's not, he doesn't need to be a vertical guy. Like, I guess this helps him get up and down the court, but there's nothing about his game that needs to be like, you know, looking like Stromile Swift out here. James Harden also looks skinny. He's another guy that we know needs the, the extra meat on the bones for the pounding he takes down low. I heard the same things about Luca. I have not seen visual images, but one of the big red flags about him coming into the draft was not, necessarily in great shape and everyone's like well within an nba program he'll be fine except he hasn't been in one Mm -hmm. um i think i'd agree with you more often than not we're gonna see tipping the scales a little bit higher than they're used to but look they also have six to eight weeks to to get in shape last year draymond said he lost 25 pounds the month leading into the playoffs and he looked great in the playoffs after sucking all season so Hopefully guys are able to take advantage of the facilities down in Orlando and even as the team facilities start to open up. There's a lot of players who just need to play themselves in shape. And Draymond's a great example. And he even said something about that. It's like they're not going to be – they're just not going to be in prime shape coming into the season. But it's the games and the rigor of the regular season that gets them into that. Um, the problem is you only have eight games now. So you you don't – you can't afford – and especially for someone like Luca, where – you know, the Mavs have something to play for, and they're playing for seeding. Um, those eight games matter. Uh, so 
I don't know. It will be interesting to see. I know Marvin Bagley's looking ripped. I'm excited about that. He's got a nice little six-pack. Um, He's so damn skinny. The fact that he hadn't had his six-packs already is a little bit alarming. It's it's more obvious now. But, yeah, I don't know what to expect, man. It's we have, I have no idea. All I, I know is that... It's going to be a weird couple of months. I mean, I'm glad basketball is back, but I don't even know if we'll recognize what we're watching. Well, here's the question for you. Is, does Zion come in looking out of shape again? So I'd heard that he's in good shape. Um, I don't know that with any proof, but, you know, the New Orleans restaurant scene is probably taking a bit of a hit. Hopefully he's still ordering to support local economies, but at the same time, you know, not doing the every night out type deal that he could have otherwise been doing in New Orleans. So I think I've heard he's in good shape. Um, 2K as I'm looking right with all the sweat bouncing everywhere. So clearly he's been working out in the video game. Um, and look, I think I think he's he loves basketball, man. So the reason why he wouldn't get in shape is when he couldn't play because of the meniscus. But yeah. now you'd think he's working out. You'd think he's in the gym. And I think he's actually going to I think he's going to come out and dominate. Like, I know I didn't pick the Pelicans to make it, but I think he's going to look good. You want to hear my conspiracy theory? Not conspiracy theory, but a lot of these guys who aren't posting on Instagram recently, for example, Zion has not really posted anything. Luca has not really fat. posted anything. Yeah. They don't want to catch flack for what they've been doing in the offseason. The guys who are posting are the ones bragging about their shape. So I take the absence of posting to mean that these guys are not looking good. You know what I love about John Wall? He'll always post no matter how fat he looks. On it's screen. wolf season. Yeah, it's always wolf season, 25 pounds overweight. All right, last one. And this is actually maybe the biggest kind of deal or, or outcome to monitor here is when we first started the season, we basically talked about how a lot of contenders uh, had a two-year window, right? A lot of free agents coming up in 2021. Now that we've fast-forwarded to basically there's three real title contenders, right? The Clippers, Lakers, and, and the Bucks. I would be... Very surprised if any team won the championship that wasn't one of those three. Of those two, Clippers and Bucks really are the ones that are on the clock, right? 2021 is when Giannis is a free agent and when Paul George and Kawhi can opt out. Now, the Lakers have AD as a free agent this summer, but all indications are he's going to re-up. And LeBron's still under contract for two more years. So if something goes wrong with the Clippers or Bucks, as in... They don't make the deep run they're expecting, either the finals or the conference finals. They lose early because of any number of reasons. What do you think they're going to do? Are they going to try to break it up or are they going to – and not because they think it won't work, but because they don't want to let someone like Giannis walk for nothing. So what what, what do you think is going to happen uh, in Milwaukee and, and with the Clippers in this situation? I think Milwaukee is uh, – they're not going to try to break it up. They're convinced, I think, internally that they can keep Giannis. And Giannis has said a lot of things about staying in Milwaukee that I don't think – I think you take it to the bitter end, and if he leaves, you le- he leaves. And you can't feel – I mean, it is what it is. Uh, and I wouldn't feel bad for them either. Like, I mean, if I'm Milwaukee, I've, they put together the right teams. They have the right infrastructure. If they still don't win in this year or next – um, at that point, there's nothing you can do. So I would not start about like looking to break it up. I think you, you go through it and then you offer him obviously the supermax um, and see what happens. The Clippers, I think they also like 
they've thrown all their draft capital away. Like you have, you're going all in with Kawhi and Paul George, and you only have two this offseason or sorry this postseason and the next year to do it before those guys can opt out. And you're kind of in this. <laughs> you just have to hope that they they re up. And um, I think it'd be foolish to start looking to shop any of those guys. So I think both teams are kind of stuck in those situations. I don't think there's any scenario in which they try breaking it up earlier than those players leaving. Yeah, of the two, if I, I'm sweating a little bit hard, harder if I'm Milwaukee, right? Because you don't play in an environment, in a city, in a market where Giannis is going to feel comfortable becoming a superstar. Part of him staying is him accepting to live in Milwaukee. It's not getting to live in Milwaukee. And I say that with all due respect you know, to the city to my north here. But if you're a player, let's say Giannis was drafted by the Lakers, right? There would be no doubt that he's re-upping of that Supermax, right? The Lakers aren't worried about it. He's not worried about it. It's all good. You've got him for 12, 13 years because of that franchise. But just the way the Cavs sweated it out and lost LeBron in 2010, I mean, Milwaukee's considering the same thing. Everyone says the right thing until they don't, right? We saw it with Durant in Oklahoma City as well. Um, we've seen it in a number of other instances. All Milwaukee's hoping for is Giannis is more Lillard than he is Durant and James, um, where he wants to stay and build the contender, build the program in uh, the small market. If you're the Clippers, you have to look at it like, I agree, they can't do anything else. They can't bolster the roster much more. They can't really go get any big names. They are who they are. They've mortgaged the house for Kawhi and Paul George. But you also have to think, both of these guys are L.A raised or LA County raised. They both chose, they both had clear opportunities to go to the Lakers, right? Paul George two summers ago, LeBron, uh, Kawhi this past year and, and said no to play with LeBron. Why would they leave your team? Where else is Kawhi going to go? Where else is, um, Paul George going to go? They both wanted to be in LA. They both got to LA and they wanted to play with each other. This isn't even like a, hey, I'm Shaq and I only play in warm weather cities type things. Kawhi didn't want to go to Miami. So it's not just that. I think it's very clear this is his destination. And I think if the Clippers don't win, all they're going to look at is like, okay, let's finish, figure out a way to like tweak around the edges and we'll come back. You know, maybe that's moving a Patrick Beverly or moving a Landry Shamit um, or moving a Marcus Morris. It's not going to be wholesale changes because you know they're very close. And when they've all been on the court, they've been dominant. So um, but I do think, you know, the Bucks are are the ones that are kind of waiting this out because they don't have that second star uh, of the same mold as it Anthony Davis or Paul George. And, you know, they got to sweat this out a little bit. But if you're Milwaukee, right, let's say so Giannis is a free agent in 2021. And let's say they lose this year in the conference finals. They don't even get to the finals. They lose to, I don't know, Philly or Toronto. Um, what are you doing over the next course of the next season if you're Milwaukee? Are you making last second ditch, last ditch efforts to try to reshape that roster for another run in 2021? Or are you saying they start shopping Giannis? Like, I, what's, what's I the just, alternative? I just think you can't. Like, you, there's no trade in which. Okay, so let's take a team like Golden State, who's been eyeing Giannis for four or five years now, right? Mm-hmm. Miami was also reported to saying they're going to make a run. Well, that's such a stupid. Yes, yeah. we all want Giannis. Yeah. We know. <laughs> Um, but, but Golden State has actually been actively planning for it the way they plan for KD, right? The deal that they could put on the table is something to the effect of that pick from Minnesota 
Um, if they make the trade this summer, they could trade their own pick, which is going to be top three. That Minnesota pick next year, which is, I think, top three or top five protected. But that's going to be they're not going to make the playoffs. So that's going to be another top 10 pick. Then you trade Clay Thompson and then you trade something else, uh, whether that's Eric Pascal, whether that's someone else. I think they're going to try with Wiggins and Milwaukee will tell them rightfully to fuck off. <laughs> yeah. But would you do that? Clay Thompson, Golden State's 2020 number one and Minnesota's 2021 number one. No. Exactly. No. Exactly. So what it. else? What You can't trade him for anything. What are you going to trade him for? That's my point. Milwaukee is just going to have to, you know, let it come to free agency and see what happens. There's no trying to sell. Like, even if Giannis is clearly upset, I think they're going to have to. And you know what? They're doing the right things right now. Like, even with the protests, Giannis is out there. He's got support. I think the city supports him. Everyone supports him. They're all walking on eggshells around him right now. But they're going to do whatever it takes to keep him there because Milwaukee's never coming across a player that good again. Right. So um, I think both these teams just don't have any options. They have to just play it out. And I, I agree with you. The Clippers have a better shot. There's no no reason for Kawhi and Paul George to leave. But I think the Bucks are going to have to sweat it out a little bit more. Yep. All right. So that's all for us today. Um, I just realized we have, like you said, seven more weeks of content we have to create uh, before we actually get going. Uh, so next week, we're going to do a deep dive on the types of nasal swabs being used uh, for the COVID-19 test. But until then, please rate, review and subscribe to Thick and Thin on all major plat- podcast platforms and uh, send us an email, thickandthinhoops at gmail.com. And we'll talk to you next week.